0: Hello, I'm horror cartoonist Dennis St. John. I draw monsters and write twisted tales. As you can imagine, I was a little obsessed with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Lucky for me, so were most of my high school friends, all except one. One friend who stubbornly refused to join the Scoobies. So here we are, 20 some odd years later. I'm teaming up with Doc Travis, John Landis, and maybe a special guest or two. And we're going to make our friend Michael Polley... Watch one episode of Buffy week until he's no longer the Buffy Virgin. Uh, welcome to Buffy Virgin, a spoiler free Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about ignoring comfort with season five, episode nine, listening to fears. Uh, that was me just doing an antonym search. Uh, I'm your host, Monster Expert, Dennis St. John. Uh, Why don't you guys introduce yourself from least to most likely to argue predictions? Hi, my name is Travis.
1: I'm on the Buffy cast a whole lot, and uh, I love this episode. I thought it was great.
2: My name is Michael. I'm the Virgin. I've only seen Buffy up to season five, episode nine, listening to
3: Fear, and I never get a chance to defend my predictions. Uh, My name is John, and I do not argue predictions. I state facts.
0: All right. (laughs) Uh let's get into reactions. We're gonna do uh reactions this week to season five episode four out of my mind. Audience reactions. Um so Anana Mouse who's not a moose um says Holding medical professionals hostage for surgery seems to be a popular TV, uh t- popular trope in TV, especially in crime dramas. Uh my question is. Would veterinarians be able to treat gunshot wounds? I've seen that in a few shows. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. That's definitely a thing. Dr. (laughs) Travis, what do you think?
3: I mean, I yes, you're not a veterinarian, but...
1: (laughs) Veterinarians are very highly trained. Uh, It's harder to get into veterinarian school than medical school. So, you know, chew on that. That's very interesting. I would say that, I would say, depending on where you got shot, possibly, you know, for a through and through gunshot wound, you know, they just have to sew up... So the the subcutaneous skin, I I think there's some good value
3: where you got shot. Like you mean, like if I get shot in the dog pound, it'll just be convenient.
1: Well, if you get shot in your tail, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But uh, no, if you get shot in your arm or, you know, depends on where. But probably like most things with most things with movies are made up. (laughs) So I, I wouldn't really put too much stock on that. To be honest, if I had to get real with real with the audience, I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't go seek out a veterinarian if I got shot.
3: In the movies, it's usually (laughs) that like, uh, you know, the veterinarian is like cool with the underground criminal community and, and won't report it. Is that true of vets? Do you think do you think vets are like a little shady?
1: I don't think so. I don't have a pet right now, so I haven't seen I I haven't seen yeah, I a veterinarian in a long time. You don't know. I
3: know,
1: but but I've never met a veterinarian that I thought was a criminal. So I, I think I think veterinarians are pretty nice people, yeah, unlike that's, John. That's, yeah. So if you're a veterinarian out there, don't ever ever treat John's gunshot wound, because he's he's just going to gaslight you. And don't ever make a prediction around John either, because you're never going to get it back.
0: <laughs> uh speaking of gunshot wounds, there are some open wounds this episode. Um boom. <laughs> so uh Rich Dingo Action says, uh, dudes, I love your podcast, but I have to say that buffering cast is totally poning the world in the interviews category. And they are. Um, but then he was also very nice and was like, I still give you the edge over buffering cast in the graphic arts category. So that's those are my drawings he's talking about. So thank you, Rich. Uh So those are the reactions this this week. Uh, We are going to have like a ton more next week when we get to season five, episode five. Uh, Five by five. But for now, let's listen to The Summary. The Summary. Thrills. Chills. A meteor crashes down in a small Southern California town. The local eccentric is the first to find it. Snot monster from space! It crawls on walls. It slimes. It smells. It's coming for the insane. Snot monster from space! The government men are hunting it, but will they get there in time? Snot monster from space! It's coming for your mother! <laughs> 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 All right, thank you. Uh let's go uh into Great Lines. Great lines. Uh John, why don't you yes, start us?
3: Yes. Uh so I love it when Willow comes in and says, Ooh, I feel just like Santa Claus, except thinner <laughs> and younger and female and well Jewish. Love the little string of pearls of things that she has that is not like Santa Claus I don't think I believe in tiny
2: Santa Claus uh yeah so I just love this um amazing run-in with Spike over at the Joyce compound uh can someone do Buffy uh I could do it um
0: what the hell are you doing in my
2: house right then caught me your basin's full of junk and me being in need of a junk were you you were stealing well yeah Can't exactly work the counter at Burger Barn, can I? (laughs) For some reason, this killed me.
3: This is so good. (laughs) Well, it it actually does make practical sense because, like, he can't steal things uh, from stores because he might get into a fight and then he wouldn't be able to defend himself against the person. He can't steal things from people's houses because he can't go into anybody's house (laughs) except
0: (laughs) Buffy's. But he's clearly stealing her photos, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, my line was from Riley, uh, a Riley line. Riley says at when they've had to find the body outside near the lake. That might be toxic. Don't touch it, Xander's. Oh, yeah. Touching it was my first impulse. Luckily, I have moved on to my second, which is dry heaving and running <laughs> like hell. But I love that trope where someone just assumes someone wants to touch the incredibly dangerous thing and also want to touch the dead body immediately. Let me touch the dead body's mouth immediately.
2: yeah i figure you have to say that in the er all the time don't touch that (laughs) don't touch that don't touch that people stop touching things (laughs) we shouldn't let families come back here
0: uh so this is between giles and uh, xander uh search xander i still don't know why we had to come here to get info about a killer snot monster Because it's a killer snot monster from outer space. I did not say that.
1: (laughs) Just such a Giles Snoozefest line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, let's do the kill count. The kill count.
1: Uh,
0: I counted six humans, two vamps, all willow. And one beetle demon from the moon. All right, so now that you know that, let's move on to Weird Noticings and Trivia. Weird Noticings.
3: You already alluded to it, but I really love Badass Willow getting getting the stakes and like even before willow like called attention to it the first time she staked somebody i was taking notes i was like fuck yeah willow and then she did it again and i'm like double fuck yeah willow
0: Uh, it was a super proud moment also two very beefy vamps she's she staked (laughs) those are stunt actresses right there uh so yeah uh i don't know if we want to talk about riley it was just like oh yeah like vamp says drugs we get it all right
1: I mean, I like it. It's a trope that's in a lot of other vampire stories. So usually, it's a lot more glamorous. I mean, to be quite <laughs> honest, like yeah. the way they're trying to make it seem like is if it's like a uh, like like an illicit addiction. Yeah, it's uh, like it's like, uh, like a, a drug- vampire
3: crack house. Yeah.
1: yeah, but in reality, it w- it wouldn't necessarily be that way. Like other shows have portrayed it in a much like much more glamorous, which is what it would be, right? Because being a vampire generally is glamorous, not uh, that, that's the appeal. It's, you, got, it's,
0: you got different levels of vampire class, and
1: well, no, but in general, it's a, it's it's supposed to be glamorous and it, and exciting, and right. it's not the way the way they present is is different. Yeah,
3: this ain't no Anne Rice situation. This is <laughs> kind of grody. Uh, speaking of uh, weird, super weird, noticing though about that though, did uh, everywhere in Sunnydale people are obsessed with the string cheese incident? There's just posters for the string <laughs> cheese incident in every other shot. It's just a thing I can't help but notice watching in HD. But I uh, also on the vampire crack house, there are a uh, bunch of string cheese incident posters on the outside <laughs> of the house. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So
1: Mike, you don't believe that Riley's that Riley's really doing this.
2: I just couldn't believe that this was really happening with the like PSA style push in on a crack house. And then someone <laughs> getting a, getting eaten or whatever, like slowly getting their blood sucked out of them. Like this is not happening. This is, there's what is the explanation that they can possibly come up with for this? Like Riley's, I just couldn't believe it that they would do
1: that with Riley. He's getting smarter. He's not getting his neck bitten. Like it's easier (laughs) to hide that (laughs) one. I think it's great. I mean, I could use like a whole, like I could use like way more minutes with this scene. This scene's way more interesting than I think I love it. I wish that scene I, there's so much more to that, but I, so I think Riley should be tired and weak after donating so much blood this episode. <laughs> but he's not really like he, he. They should have made him like like tumble over when he's like alone in the uh, in the lake area. Like he should like have to like like fake it, and then when they're gone, like drop to his knees and like pant. That would have like that would have elevated it, but they, they didn't. I mean, he's just like superhuman Riley, who's not really superhuman. Yeah, yeah. He he definitely would be weak or shaky.
0: Uh, so I just say Willow bringing gifts, uh, and Buffy homework, uh, felt like a callback to killed by death. She brings the already completed homework to Buffy then.
3: It's good to know Buffy's still allegedly in college. Like it's the first <laughs> we've heard about it. And I feel
0: like forever. Yeah. Since she moved out of the dorms, this is yeah. the first, like mentioning of it.
2: <laughs> well, um, I guess from the earlier scene here, Scooby squad could totally benefit from some uniforms. Like they almost all stab each other. You know, a couple of times it feels like, like literally Xander's like human chest, you know, before getting stabbed. Um, Yeah, uniforms. I mean, I just wear whatever when you go out because like this doesn't feel like the first time this kind of problem has happened.
1: Yeah. So I, I don't they know, should Scooties. have a little uniform that has like an uh, like uh, like an X with like the circle around it and like or like a circle, like not to not to stake that area. <laughs> like a like a Ghostbuster sign, but over their heart.
2: That'd be freaking perfect.
1: That'd be kind of, dude, dude, we should, we should make some of those shirts. Those sound really, really cool, actually. Those (laughs) sound like Targets to me. No, no, it's got the don't do it. No, it's It's like when people are like, don't do drugs. And they're like, I've got to do drugs?
2: No, don't do drugs. And at one side of the t-shirt, it can say, I'm your friend. And the other side says, don't stake me. Bro. It's like it's super clear to your friends.
3: (laughs) I think one that just says human chest and like... Yeah,
1: human that would be a good one. Human chest. Yeah. Okay, well, we're going to do some concepts
2: because this sounds really actually fun. Well, don't wear leather jackets all the freaking time. Everyone's wearing leather jackets.
1: Mike, that's impossible. It's the year 2000. Everything was made of leather. <laughs> they even had leather phones, leather steering wheels, everything. Um, I also like how there's like neck armor. There's like medieval armor that covers the neck perfectly. And they should, if they're going to wear uniforms, they should wear this metal armor around their neck so they don't get bit.
3: Don't they do that in
1: uh, John Carpenter's Vampires? I believe they probably do. I believe they do. But you could, I'm <laughs> yeah. just saying, like, they should, they should have, at this point, season five. I mean, I think, like, one week of knowing that the vampires are real, I, we would have devised some sort of, some sort of leather <laughs> protection to wear around our neck. A leather collar of some sort.
2: This is just the unfortunateness of like urban fantasy as a genre in general, where it's like they never treat supernatural as a part of the world. It's always this like
3: crazy thing that happens. So it's they, like they just they don't never, take it seriously as an engineering problem. Well, there's <laughs> yeah, it's like, never
0: a need. Yeah, maybe I think they, that's not what the show is. That's a different show.
3: It's like, dude, I was just watching Jurassic Park, and I swear to God, like if someone made dinosaurs, it would not be that hard to contain them. Just like build <laughs> a goddamn steel wall with concrete. It's fine.
0: You guys you guys really take uh, a lot of the fun out of these <laughs> adventures. <laughs> I want the Jurassic Park movie where nothing goes wrong and we just get to go to the park.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: where it's what, yeah. just lost cell phones on, on, you know, rides and, you know. Right. And it's about a mother and daughter just having a nice time. Yeah. <laughs> or getting overcharged for snacks, but then right. then enjoying them.
0: But really reconnecting after the divorce. Yeah. Uh, so John, uh, I noticed that the cold drink machine is back.
3: Yeah, it totally is. It totally fucking is. So I, I'm starting to develop a headcanon about cold drinks machine because Willow expresses this like, you know, really sweet, like, um, affection for the cold drinks machine at the end of high school on her like last day at Sunnydale high. And then it reappears when she has like a crisis moment, uh, with Tara and they first hold hands and then she reappears again here at another sort of crisis moment in the hospital. I think that the, um, that Willow is like subconsciously through her magical powers manifesting the cold drinks machine in places where she needs comfort.
0: There's definitely no proof that that's wrong.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Mike, make a prediction about this.
1: How many more times are we going to see the cold drinks machine in Buffy? Well, the cold drinks machine
2: has shown up in the high school and in the hospital, where and else the, the college in and the, the college, college dorms. Uh, and it's the same prop drink machine. Yeah. yeah. Right
3: it's the same one it's a very distinctive one it's not like it's an ordinary coca-cola machine that you know there's a million of it's a very distinctive sort of weird barrel themed cold drinks machine that says cold drinks and it has it has things like grape as a button you can press it's great i mean clearly if i make a prediction about it it'll be like the cold drinks
2: machine will return but i don't i don't actually buy john's theory about Willows. um (laughs) You don't. Being a, well, a, don't include the of latter half spell of that
1: in the prediction. Just predict that it will return. <laughs>
2: okay, this same cold drinks machine will appear in another episode.
3: <laughs> I honestly don't know if that's true or not.
1: That's safe money, as far as I can tell. That's safe money. I don't. I don't know if this is the right way to
2: phrase this, but the portrayal of mental illness in this episode, or you know, of this of medical problems, is so good. I'm like, I was blown away by uh, Joyce. The actor plays. Actress plays Joyce's performance in this episode. It really like it was really impactful and i was surprised how much i i cared about uh joyce and then when they switch between like a normal joyce and then like a uh like a deranged joyce i don't know what you call it like mentally unstable joyce you know who's having these problems related to the tumor it's like just uh just a wonderful anxiety and they do it they really do uh The monster really works out so well with this I mean it's a very specific monster I'd like to talk about the specificness of this monster at some point but it's just so well done and when they do the juxtaposition of um, of of Joyce and um, and these and these scenarios like I you just really really feel um, really feel all the things it's fantastic it's not super well organized thought here (laughs) just that that it's great Um, but it's weird to say like it's great when it's something that um, I think is a it's like a powerful trigger for a lot of people.
0: Yeah. 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 Including me. Um, this has been the episode I've been dreading or one of the one of the episodes I've been dreading. Um, and yeah, uh, Christine Sutherland's performance is really good. And. Um, uh, I think they portray mental illness um, pretty accurately, some some aspects of mental illness, not all, obviously, but. um they don't treat it like cruelly or like as a punchline, you know. Um, I did want to shout out that the like the doctors and everyone starts talking about the mental ward. And I was just like, a mental ward in a hospital in California? I don't think so. Um it's been my it's been my experience, my personal experience, that there's no like mental wards. Like um and from what I understand, and I'm not a historian or anything, but basically um when Reagan was Uh, the governor of California, he like really like cut the budget and cut like any kind of like anything that would be like a mental ward in a hospital and everyone like, you know, anybody who, uh, uh, would have been in one of those wards instead went homeless. Um, so the most that they really do in California is like, if you're a danger to yourself or others, you get kind of locked up in the hospital for like 72 hours and get like an assessment, but um, most of the time they just kind of release you unless like it takes a lot to get into any kind of system and it, even then it's probably through a criminal system at first before you get into like any kind of like healthcare system, but like there just wouldn't be like, oh, <laughs> this person's crazy, put him in the mental ward. Like that's, I mean, this is a TV show and you need the simplified stuff, but like, uh, yeah, I wish there were mental wards. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if Travis, you're actually the expert at the, at, you know, the medical stuff. Um.
1: I mean, there are some very, very small inpatient psychiatric units just to, to some hospitals, and it's not it's not common at all. They're very they're very rare because they're not funded. You yeah, know, that's not a surprise to anyone on the podcast. Um, most people do not qualify for an inpatient psychiatric stay, although they maybe they benefit, and so. So that, that's real sad. And that's unfortunately the state of where we are. But so I think most of what you said is, is, is true.
0: But Sunnydale has one.
1: <laughs> well, they've got a zoo and an airport and a dock. It's, <laughs> it would be unusual if they lacked something that was super rare and unusual for <laughs> any hospital ever. I mean, it's a, it is sort of a fantasy that mental illness is, is, has like a definable cause that you can that you can blame so that's a little that's a little not insensitive but that's just a little that, that that's like a real that's like a real fantasy yeah and for most people uh who do have people who have friends or family that have mental illness is that there is something that is the cause or that there is that they can blame or yeah punish. it
0: would be great to know if there were if there's some magical cause then there's yeah. a magical cure and like exactly. oh if we could just stab the right thing yeah people would be helpless we just could if we period. could
1: just get rid of Glory, right? Yeah. Uh,
2: well, I I'm so glad you mentioned that because I, I do think that it's Joyce's performance that's great in this yes. episode and oh, yeah. not the other mentally ill characters.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, you can separate are, it. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. She's I didn't even gr- consider them as actors, which is <laughs> my problem. Uh, when they do get home and they're uh, just the scenes where Buffy and Don are like trying to argue or reason with Joyce were like really painful for me to watch um because I know because I've tried to do that when somebody has delusions and I know now. So my advice for anyone who's experiencing this is like who who's going to experience this uh, keep this in mind like when somebody's having a delusion, don't try to argue with it. Uh, don't try to reason your way out um, and also more importantly, don't take it personally like. The delusions are not who they really are. You're not like fart- fighting with like your mom or your like whoever. You're fighting with like a disease. Uh, so that's my advice. Uh, sorry. Let's uh, move on. No, to that's else. great
2: advice. Yeah, thank you. So Riley calls in like a, a a man from the a man by the desk, a man in the desk, whatever this is. This like X-Files sounding character who's then summons, you know a helicopter full of dudes to deal with the extraterrestrial problem. Um,
1: it's, the, it's the initiative 2.0. Yeah,
0: It had no, his friend yeah. there. No. Graham.
1: Graham. He's getting those un- resi- that sweet residual money now.
0: Yeah. I wonder if, uh, I feel like Mike has yet to really identify who Graham is. I, Did I you
2: realize that was Graham? No, I didn't pick up that it's Graham. <laughs> oh, shit, <They're>, really? <laughs> All the initiative people are, like, I connected with Forrest, and then Forrest is gone now.
3: And Graham is the like second <laughs> forest, like, right one, one down the totem pole from Forrest in Riley's heart. Yeah, that was well, Graham with all those dudes.
1: I mean, they're all like white dudes that look the same, but they look like a little bit different.
3: Also, Graham is a super distinctive looking dude. Like his face is a perfect rectangle. I mean, now that you say it, yes,
2: I know who Graham is now. But it's also like, well, I don't know, what, I don't understand what happened to all the initiative guys post the initiative, <laughs> getting you know getting its cleaned up or whatever, like uh, the foul toilet that it was. Like I don't know what the next <laughs> steps are for these guys. And they never had the reunion that I wanted them to have where they talked about what, you know, what they're doing with their lives now. I just hear about it when Riley calls them
1: or Riley does something weird. I mean, this was close to a reunion. This is what the, they're doing. They're They're just still working for the government. Black ops, man.
2: Just that Riley can go from like getting fed on in a crack house to calling in a super squad to deal with the demon problem that's completely nothing to do with the scooby squad and by the way he said he would totally contact the scooby squad if there was problems or whatever like he like he doesn't even let them know that there's a military op that he could call in any time why don't they blow up these fucking cemeteries i mean it's just like there's so many things wrong with this Like, (laughs) fucking put containment bubbles and quarantine these fucking cemeteries. Don't let people go in there at night to die or whatever. Call in a helicopter to just... This way, whatever. This is this problem I'm telling you about. About the maladaptation of this universe where you have supernatural things and then you only occasionally apply real-world adaptations or solutions to these problems. And, like, I don't know why it made me crazy this episode, but it did.
0: I do like Buffy does... Like, obviously she's in the middle of a ton of shit happening. But she doesn't even really acknowledge that, like, like a bunch of military dudes are in her house now. She's just like Riley, and like I'm holding hands with Spike for some reason, and this is awkward. She's not like, you brought the fucking military to my house. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, you kind of expect what I guess expect they had expected with that Riley as your boyfriend. He's he's gone from anarchy. What was he? He's like sad Riley to anarchy Riley back to like Scooby Riley, and now he's back to like military Riley. Or like this, this is black ops, Riley. Black ops, Riley. I oh, this this is.
0: I think this is Junkie Riley.
1: Yeah, this is Junkie Riley. Junkie Riley comes well, with black ops like uh, cell phone. <laughs> no, not no. Junkie's not the right. That's not the right. That's not
0: good to say. No.
1: This is this Sorry. is Troubled no. Riley. This is Troubled Riley.
0: Not, not I miss Riley. Anarchy Riley. Yeah.
1: I like kind of Troubled Riley. I mean, I like Riley dealing with this vamp, like this 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 vamp thing. I mean, I I think that's just I think that's just amazing. WTF, Riley? What's going on?
2: I This character, they could just do anything with. And they are doing that. Which makes me feel like he's expendable. I'm sad about oh, it. Oh,
1: the other most unbelievable part of this episode when, was when Riley identifies the substance as a degenerating alkaloid substance and has a little glass vial yeah, to
3: collect it. where did that come
0: from? <laughs> what, where, why is he suddenly CSI, Riley? What's that? Yeah, and he knew the protein was breaking down or yeah, something? how does he... It like... We did not see the part where he's like putting these little thing in centrifuges or anything. Like. Literally nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I bet he has a secret fucking tricorder. Yeah. <laughs> That's a total
3: tricorder. I mean, in I feel of. like
1: he, he'd like have, he would like have a, a brainwash. They brainwashed knowledge into him. I don't think he actually could learn knowledge, but I think you could like brainwash <laughs> him with knowledge and then like he can accidentally recall it. But it's just like real intermittent. Like, you know, it's not a good brainwashing. <laughs> is this subterrestrial how about extraterrestrial oh so good. so good i mean i was like oh man if only josh Josh whedon could get his hands on the alien alien franchise and make a really good ah oh, i was like this is so good but didn't happen didn't happen i guess oh,
0: i thought you were don't, referencing don't alien, alien resurrection 4. it's good no i was
1: referring to alien resurrection i'm was.
2: pretending it didn't it, happen i like that i like the gaslight alien franchise <laughs>
1: Oh, this is this is great. Oh, OK, I think Don has a legitimate reason to be freaked out when three people and then apparently Buffy also freaked out on her as well. I mean, like this lady, this poor girl's being gaslit by like the general public and her sister that <laughs> she's not real. I think she is total reason. She's
3: legitimately oh,
1: yeah. concerned. But
3: well, only mentally like-
1: ill people know the truth in this
2: world. <laughs> oh, my
3: God. You don't take really much seriously from, a, you know, a 13 year old like speaking as someone who works with them, like whatever their like perception <laughs> on the world is, it's like 90% puberty in their brain and 10% uh, actual existing <laughs> phenomena
0: in the wor- in the real world. <laughs> I want an example of that, John.
1: I would okay. saying if four people tell you in very disturbing ways that you're not real, and <laughs> one of those is your sister, <laughs> your older sister, I think you have a legitimate right to be kind of freaked out about what's going on in your life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think Don's putting the pieces together. Okay.
1: Yeah. Don's putting them together faster than anyone else in the Scooby gang.
0: (laughs) That's true. Well, when
2: uh, Buffy goes to like get out of whatever the mess that um, Joyce's situation is to try and like just ignore it for a bit and puts on that generic it's like a spanish music station what would you call that music i think it's salsa but i i don't quote me on that well i feel like they missed an opportunity should have played a little bit of this
0: <laughs>
2: anyway just to poke it to me it sounded like this is better uh better crying while doing the dishes music um <laughs> but that's just my
3: That's just where I went with that. I was like, oh man, this has been a polka moment. That was the Beer Barrel Polka by Frankie Yankovic and his Yanks. Uh, Fun story. Uh, I used to date his second cousin. (laughs) Please tell me what that means. (laughs) So uh, my previous girlfriend, you guys remember my previous girlfriend. She was uh, his second cousin. No, first cousin twice removed. And uh, she uh, she got she got a hold of one of his old accordions.
1: I can't believe you let her go. <laughs> yeah.
3: I could talk about Frankie Yankovic all day, though.
0: Uh, well, was... welcome
2: to the Polka Podcast,
0: <laughs> Polka Cast, Pokemon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, this that that
3: dishwashing scene is amazing, and the I think that you know the using the the music backwards, like the sort of reverse pathetic fallacy if that's a thing of like it makes the emotional like tone of the moment so much stronger because it it feels I don't know that's what it feels like to be crying and doing the dishes it doesn't feel like the world is like sympathizing with you it feels like you're alone and the music yeah. is happy like it just works really well and the fact that the music is like really obnoxious I don't know adds to it and this is one of those moments where I just really I remembered why I emotionally connected with the show so much in the first place in that scene that shit is
0: hardcore.
1: Yeah. I won't bring up
2: that poke music again. I didn't realize that would be such a trigger. <laughs> <laughs> um. Holy shit. Ben, the intern is up to some shit. Posing as an intern. He summoned the Queller demon. What the heck is going on? <laughs> so this Queller demon that we haven't really talked much about is this creepy, like, slug insect monster that vomits up a goo on your face <laughs> and then i guess eats you um and ben summoned it and they they do this a wonderful like you know discussion of how the planets <laughs> um are involved and how a queller demon you know is like involved in these like bursts of madness and then i guess the madness is quelled because the queller demon appears and then consumes or kills all of the insane people Um, but I don't know, but I don't understand the problem. So this is like a little virgin prediction problem. So let me just get into it a little bit, a little bit. So Ben has summoned a monster that kills mentally ill people to clean up Glory's mess, which means Glory is making these mentally ill people (laughs) somehow. Now, I know the show doesn't believe that Glory is responsible for making Joyce mentally ill, But it does believe that Joyce, I'm sorry, Glory can create mental illness somehow. And that is crazy. But that Ben, the intern, is aware of that, works at a hospital and then is like solving the problem. That this is apparently the cleanup pattern with Glory coming to town. So she has done this kind of thing in the past, but it's been hundreds of years or whatever. And this is the cleanup is this slug demon eats people. It's like shoots in from space uh anyway just this is really weird <laughs> shit um I, i'm glad to see ben get sacrificed in this way as like he was kind of giving bad advice and then you know travis is pointing this out and it's like oh yeah because he's straight up evil <laughs> as a character um i was a little i'm like a little shocked to see that but also kind of like kind of happy about it because i'm like this is a bad advice what is this character up to why is he always present in th- what's he doing oh he's this other double agent character that it's weird because he's kind of a chill bro to be at this point, you would think hundreds of years old or eternal, just like glory is. And
1: then adopting this intern role, like a Loki trickster. Um, Mike, Mike, Mike at, at, what, at what point did you realize Ben was going to be a more important character? Because, you know, it's weird to see recurring characters on Buffy. You know what I mean? Like, cause we saw him in a bunch of different episodes. Yeah. At what point were you like, it's weird that I keep seeing this character? Oh, literally not until he was sitting
2: in the front seat of the car with some with <laughs> r- f- guy with his face rotting, telling him to like <laughs> that there was a problem or something.
0: Drag! It's drag! Isn't yeah. it isn't it drag? I think Dr- it's drag,
2: yeah. Yeah, okay, drag. I love <clears> that guy. <throat> now I think Ben might be the big bad for this season. <laughs> and that would be cool. But no faces on that,
1: so I'm just gonna
2: put that open predictions.
1: I think the answer for how glory causes the mental illness is actually answered in an episode you've watched, but you just need to rewatch it and understand the, understand the react, the action reaction. I'll tell you what episode to rewatch. And you can, you don't have to watch rewatch the whole episode. You just need to rewatch the first like 10 minutes. Oh,
2: I, I think I get it now. They, they showed it in the like start like the last time, you know, on Buffy kind of intro part, they showed a guy getting his brain like, you know, maligned by glory. But i just assumed those people were dead not i didn't even put it together they're wandering around also that like because she did it you know somehow the queller demon can find them better whatever i mean that stuff's weird but it's it's supernatural this is where i would this is what i hate about this show (laughs) i am like i would love to talk about this and i have so many things i'd love to talk about it was always just like eh, later and, uh, and that's the nature of this kind of the show where there's like interesting things happening and this must be infuriating for listeners or it's a hook. I don't know, but like could be infuriating where it's like, oh, I know, I know exactly what's going to happen. Um, yeah. People who have time traveled and then one guy who hasn't time traveled, you know, and he's and and everyone's like, what, um, what do you think is going to happen next? And the guy who hasn't time traveled and is like, well, I mean, we're probably all going to
0: um there would be good. a really good like uh <laughs> podcast about politics with like yeah. four time travelers and one non-time traveler, and they're like, uh, like like the time travelers keep focusing on like oh this thing that's happening, like you know, like uh and then the guy's just like I just want to talk about what's happening with Congress right now and they're like, No, no, look at what's happening in Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: I just like it's September tenth, two thousand one. Oh shit, dude, you've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> time travelers are terrible people.
2: Right, and that, that I mean, there's a terrible
3: person to be a time travel who doesn't tell people.
2: Okay, <laughs> two spoilers.
3: Great.
2: <laughs> two great titles for this podcast. One is yeah, September 10th, great title for a podcast. <laughs> Everybody gets what's going on. The other, July 5th. <laughs> what? <laughs> the day after we declare interindependence. independence. All right. Then what happens? Anyway, whatever. It, you know. This is maybe too high
1: concept for you guys.
3: July 5th totally should have been the name of the Independence Day sequel. I know, right?
1: Yeah. Don't get me started on next Friday, people. <laughs> been or the Friday Saturday. after that. Uh, that's a movie with six built-in sequel titles. Six built-in sequel titles. Uh. <laughs>
0: Uh, let's move on to questions for the group (laughs) questions for the group
2: hey dennis uh and everyone else on the podcast people who have lived with mentally ill family members how much is this episode a trigger for you and how does this um how true does this episode feel
0: um well I was gonna get into this more in theme or in themes and deep stuff. Yeah, but, yeah uh, please the answer is uh uh very much. So <laughs> how much how much? It's uh to the to the tenth degree. I will say um the the last time I watched this episode was I was feel it was right after my mom died and mm-hmm. I was feeling very numb and I um had a well I was like I need to experience like I chose to watch this episode like pretty close after my mom died and um i had a whole different experience where i got really mad at buffy and i was like like fuck you you're experiencing this for one day try doing it for years this is nothing buffy um uh so that was a weird reaction i had at the time but um yeah since then i've been dreading this episode coming back up um because it is a it's a very strong trigger episode
2: I feel like you've been dreading this episode or these series episodes since we started this project in a way that's like interesting. Cause it's kind of, there's a profound countdown to these episodes from episode one, season one.
0: Yeah. And
2: I think you have, I've, I've experienced your dread and you probably brought it up. Listeners will be aware of it, that you've brought up the dread that you're of these episodes. Are, is it as dreadful as you had imagined?
0: Um, is it as dreadful that I, I, guess not really i mean because it's not gonna throw me into a full like flashback or anything like um and this is stuff i still am dealing with a little the repercussions of it so it's not like it's like bringing up a wound i've completely closed you know uh so yeah um maybe my dread was overblown i guess uh I mean there's still more episodes of this. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean your your dread is is definitely palpable. Um I feel, you know, a little bit guilty because I've said on numerous occasions that season 5 is my second favorite Buffy season. Um and it's really painful for for you more than me to to watch. Um so I mean I do feel guilty about you know that um as well. I mean it's it's just a it's, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what to make of that. Um, like that unfortunate, like my, my love for season five is, is a lot more painful for you than.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can acknowledge this is a really good season. I was just like not looking forward to this season. Yeah. Um, Just
1: totally understandable.
0: And and I mean, I think it it speaks to the quality of the show that, uh, this is triggering real things for me instead of triggering like irritation with how bad it is, like with it being bad portrayals. Um, And, uh, just for listeners, like my mom didn't have a brain tumor. Um, she had Alzheimer's, but her Alzheimer's was, um, connected with, uh, delusions and with, um, a psychotic break. So that connected into like uh, really similar behavior to what Joyce was doing this episode. Um, so, uh, which I think is also kind of interesting how like, um, symptoms can be very similar across different kinds of illnesses, um. So it's not like, yeah, it's not an exact one-to-one relationship, but, um, yeah. Uh, I guess that's all I have to say. We,
3: we love you, Dennis. Oh, yeah. Thanks guys.
2: Yeah, definitely. We love you. And this was something I was concerned about. I wouldn't, I'm proud of you for doing this and being on the podcast for this. Cause I know this is yeah. like, um, could be as, you know, as, painful as you want it to be (laughs) as far as like an opportunity to talk about or to re-experience trauma so like i don't know this is this is a tough one um but we'll we'll talk about it again in themes i guess um and then for a few more weeks at least yeah maybe i don't know maybe this is the end of this oh gosh you damn time travelers
0: Uh, Jad, I think you have a uh, interesting well, question
3: on a completely un uh, different level of discussion. What's up with crosswalk buttons? They're totally connected. What's the deal Choice with crosswalk wrong. buttons? Is, <laughs> so yeah, I I've heard this. Uh, I don't know if it's an urban legend or what, but um that crosswalk buttons don't do anything, and it's just to pacify pedestrians. Um, I, that can't be
0: true, right? N- nowadays it's,
1: they are true. Nowadays they are connected.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I. I'm a pedestrian often when I walk to work and stuff. And if I don't press that button, it doesn't trigger. I have to sit through a whole light.
3: Also, like as a
0: like group of people that need to be pacified, do you
3: really think that like pedestrians are a group of people that the government's going to spend money pacifying? I feel like there's a million other like social engineering tactics that would come before like slightly grouchy pedestrians. But I don't know.
0: Who says this? What is is this a is this a Joyce ramble? Yeah. At the beginning, when Joyce is pressing the call button, she's getting really mad and she's like, this isn't even connected to anything. It's like those crosswalk oh, push whoa. buttons. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. Mike, <laughs> right, how many
1: times do we tell you? You gotta watch this episode ten times before you're on
3: the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm with you now. Yeah. Anyway, no, does crazy. anybody actually know? I mean it sounds like the the consensus here is that they Crosswalk buttons generally work.
2: Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to check. <laughs> oh yeah, they totally work check. now. Unfortunately, there this world is still full of triggers that don't trigger, like drive-throughs. If you walk through a drive-through, that shit is not trigger, and it's <laughs> terrible. I went and got Taco Bell at like one a.m. on Saturday morning, and uh, I took my bike. Nothing triggered. I had to go through twice. Go that's because it's a,
3: It's like a weight trigger, right? The car, the weight of the car pushes it down. Isn't that true? I, I think must see. So.
1: Yeah, that's, but, uh, not,
3: that's not like a placebo trigger. That's just you bringing the wrong vehicle.
1: Mike, if you rode an elephant to that drive through you would have triggered it. You're just not riding the right, uh, the, the right mount, my friend. Should have taken my wagon full of bricks.
3: Yeah, Load <laughs>
1: up your wagon, two horses, two horsepower wagon, right?
0: Oh, yeah. Let's do themes and deep stuff.
1: Deep Stuff. <laughs> is the Queller a demon an alien or an alien demon discuss
0: uh I believe it's an alien demon agree it's a, a demon from the moon uh it is a cool looking de- it is a really like different looking demon it's still got kind of the classic Buffy demon teeth or a variation on those uh, It's similar to the kind we've seen on like um the fear demon uh but uh, I mean it's a pretty pretty new design for them um uh the person in the suit, um oh I looked her up, I forget her name now, but she was in total recall. I love that it's a
2: physical suit and it's not a digital thing. Like it's so creepy. There's such great Stephen King vibes about this whole freaking episode. Totally. It feels like a, except for the Riley parts, it feels <laughs> like a really endless spike parts. Um it feels like a really good Stephen King <laughs> episode. <laughs> Of, like, some kind of Stephen King one-off series. Just, like, the Creeping Dread. And then that scene where Joyce is yelling at this monster. But, you know, we the way that they show Dawn, it's like Dawn is just trying to, like, ignore her mom's ravings. And then, yeah. like, it's at a monster. And that yeah, somehow that's dude. processed through Joyce's um, illness is just, like, amazingly well done as a scene sequence. And, of course, that's why they don't see or hear the monster, you know, initially attack. Because they're, they're trying to ignore... Mom's raves like oh, so amazing. That and the yeah. three minutes could be like a short <laughs> film and kill,
0: you know. Totally. Mm-hmm. And the um, um, the limits of the the effects of the time and stuff, and that it's a practical suit. So there's that scene in the hospital where I think it's Joyce and or Don in the waiting room, and you see the Queller demon demon climbing up the walls, and just something doesn't look right in that scene. Cause it's like a superimposed theme scene. And there's like, um, a like a Gaussian filter, a Gaussian blur over it. Cause like, like the limitations made it look creeper, creepier and weirder than like a perfectly well done CGI shot would have done, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a very cool looking demon. And it, and it pukes. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I gotta love a mucus demon.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah, scappers. I
3: mean, I'm, I'm on the
1: fence of it calling it a, just a demon because an alien. It seems like something alien would be from another planet, but this demon has visited the this planet multiple times. So I mean, I guess it could still be an alien. But it, I, I mean, at what point are what point are aliens aliens and not alien demons?
3: I guess it's to do with uh, you know, the motivation system. Apparently, it's like where do you find the book about it? <laughs> because it's
2: like there's human and then Color even seems based on like a, some kind of urban legend of like where did the mentally ill people go
0: yeah i guess um one of the incidences one of the comet or asteroid incidences uh will talks about is real yeah totally the one in the one in siberia yeah yeah
3: that's totally real
1: oh is there a prediction about them working at the library at campus did Mike ever have a, didn't, didn't you say that the, Mike there predicted that,
3: uh, that Giles would become the campus librarian. Oh, he okay. Would work, he would work at the, he would work at uh, you yeah, so university.
1: You you're close to getting a prediction.
3: <laughs> yeah, I
1: was denied. All right. Thanks, man.
3: Okay. Uh, so this is a bit of a tangent, but um, I really started thinking about some of the uh, like kind of weird metaphysical stuff going on in this episode. So like, okay, so like, uh, Joyce has these personality shifts in this episode because uh, her tumor is putting pressure on her brain, right? And I think that like the normal way of uh, understanding, I don't know, existence is that like uh, your consciousness, your, like, your awareness, your consciousness is uh, sort of built up from the physical existence of your brain, right? Like I feel like that's the normal secular way to think about it. What's going on? You know, just like the idea that like your like your brain is like a computer and it runs the software that is your consciousness, right? I think that's our normal normal way of thinking about it. Um but there's this uh like non-religious, yeah. Yeah. So but yeah, exactly. And to to, to not think that would is usually involves some kind of like a religious point of view. Um but there's like there's this new sort of like newfangled contemporary philosophy concept that I think really ties into this episode really well, which is um kind of like tries to bring back the idea that there's a physical sort of there's a physical sense to existence, a physical uh, property of existence. And there's also a mental property to existence that would allow us to explain consciousness in a way that is not just sort of atoms bumping into each other. And Dawn fits into this really well. So they call this a philosophical zombie. This comes from this uh, philosopher, David Chalmers. And so what a philosophical zombie is, uh, is is this, it's a thought experiment. It's designed to prove that your awareness, your consciousness is not the product of, of, of physical processes. It's not just the product of science. So the, the argument goes like this. Um, can you imagine a person who is just like you, but has no, no consciousness, no, no inner awareness of themselves, right? So like they, they react in the same way. If you poke them, they will complain. If you, you know, give them a book to read, they'll read it and tell you about it. But it's a purely mechanical being on the inside, and there's no there's no awareness. Like, can you imagine that?
0: Yes, yes. Okay, sure. thank you,
3: thank you for playing along. Uh, <laughs> so, since you since you can imagine that, right, and yet you are aware that you have consciousness, you're aware of your own consciousness, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. the l- argument, as I understand it, goes something like this: and you could could you even imagine an entire world, an entire world, entire planet Earth, full of nothing but philosophical zombies? who all bump into each other and say hi to each other and do the exact same things that are happening in our world, except they have no inner life. Only sometimes, but yes, I can imagine that. Okay. So the argument is basically that because you can imagine that let me get this right, because, because you can imagine that, and yet, you know, you have consciousness, you are thereby admitting that consciousness is not tied to physical existence, right? That you can, that those things seem to exist separately. And so um the argument is, sort of goes from there to to try to like actually bring back some dualism some of like the like cartesian like mind and body are actually separate um and this works really well for like for dawn right because she's a philosophical zombie she's she's this thing that looks like a person acts like a person has appears to have a subjectivity inside of her but we can't really know anyway that's what i was thinking no of, that's great
2: i, said, I love cool. that for dawn because it for the way i've been trying to make predictions about dawn i mean i feel like i've started with the assumption that she is not a person and i'm getting in myself all these weird headspaces about that because this truly feels like someone has chosen a philosophical experiment when you bring this up john because it really is cuz like when maya was on e was like very interested in dawn and said that it was a favorite character right and right. for me I can't identify with I barely identify with Don as a real thing because I just assume she'll be removed from the show or that they'll just expose her as nothing. So I'm like not forming any attachments versus people who have seen the show are like attached to Don and like I can't get attached because she doesn't have an inner consciousness and is a key. <laughs> so I'm totally philosophically zombieing Don while everyone else is
3: not. And that part feels crazy. <laughs> right. Well, it feels crazy to side. Dawn too, right? Like that's Dawn's yeah. moment of horror in this episode is the idea that like um, what she's specifically being told is that she lacks an inner subjectivity, right? She's like, you're like, you're a thing. You're not real. No, there's nobody in there. Right. Is what they keep people keep saying to her. Um, and like, so that like, you know, she's literally being objectified by the people around her. Right. She's being treated as though she has no sort of like inner subjectivity. And that moment of horror of like, Every like because I think there's you know, and and uh, Buffy says that like when people lose their minds, they feel like they're the only thing that's real, Mm -hmm. and and Dawn's experiencing the opposite of that. She feels like you know, like to like it seems to everybody else that she's the only thing that's not real because I guess she isn't for certain values of real. Uh, but also, how great is how great then is, is Joyce's moment of her decision that she makes when she realizes that that Dawn may not be real or may not be her daughter in the sense that she thought, but. Um, She chooses to love her anyway and gives Buffy marching orders to love her anyway.
0: Yeah, those are heavy marching orders, man. It's fucking great. Uh and I think I'm going to bring those up later on in the season again uh, for a specific argument. But Yes, I am aware.
3: Yes, yes. We're, that, <laughs> I, I, we're not going to be able to have that argument this episode. Not quite yet, but soon. <laughs> but,
1: oh, um, this this Don. Is Don Buffy's sister or not? Yes, he is, is Don
3: Buffy's sister. We could, we could, oh, we could, could just give it, up but, on that
1: point. You're going to lose it, buddy. Just, whatever you predicted, you're going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because, yeah. I'm because I'm one and they're two.
0: All right. Um. So I've already talked a lot this episode about um the my personal experience with this app. Um. I just wanted to say. Uh. uh so I will just skim a lot of this. Would say. Uh. Um. The part that like surprised me with how painful it was to watch was when Joyce cl- clears up her mind and has like, uh, the moment where she's talking lucidly at the end to Buffy and says like, "Oh my sweet brave Buffy, what uh would I do without you?" Like that was a surprisingly painful moment for me because I never got that. I never got like mom coming out and being lucid after everything, you know? Um, uh, so that was kind of a surprise for me. The stuff I was like expecting to be tough was tough, but the thing I had forgotten about was even tougher. Um, uh, so that's all I'm going to add more to this, I guess. Um, uh, so you guys want to do recommendations?
1: Recommendations.
0: Uh, so I was thinking British sci-fi about um, alien invasions and the kind of quintessential early one is the Quatermass experiment. It's coming for you from space to wipe all living things from the face of the earth. Which was um, a BBC like six part series later edited it into a movie. Um, it's kind of the, like, progenitor of the, like, alien like alien lands on Earth and shit goes wrong story. And then in the 60s, it had kind of a remake sequel called Quatermass on the Pit. This character, Quatermass, I think, is kind of, like, a British, sci. like, he's kind of a, similar to, like, uh, the adventuring doctor from, like, an Edgar Rice Burroughs story, but it's, like, a lot of him, a lot of it is, like, instead of dealing with, like, just... Like this dinosaur that escapes and we have to fight it. It's like the aliens bring about like madness and philosophical terror questions, um, which fits. And um, so those are the sci-fi ones I'm going to recommend. Uh, Quatermass, the Mass experiment and Mass in the pit. And I'm going to recommend Still Alice. I need to talk to you. I got something wrong. the Julianne Moore movie about Alzheimer's. Um, This was the first movie I saw in theaters where I really connected with Kristen Stewart's character um, (laughs) because she was really going through what I was going through at the time, including like moving across the country to help take care of her uh, parent. And uh, the parental care thing that she's doing is similar to what Buffy's doing here. And um, that part really struck me as real. Um, So uh, those are my recs. Uh, let's move on to predictions. Virgin predictions.
3: Okay. Predictions. Let's have a look here. Michael, at present, your overall accuracy is a 62.28. Your accuracy this season is a perfect two-thirds, a 66.6 6 repeating. As far as taking care of some old predictions, uh, one I kind of wanted to bring up is previous season, you predicted that former members of the initiative will form a support group. And we probably should have talked about this previously (laughs) when uh, they kind of like ambushed Riley on the basketball court. But now we also have uh, Graham with his uh, sort of like night ops team. Uh, do you think that's kind of a support group? I mean, they're still <laughs> hanging out, in a way.
2: Come on, it's not a hang zone. Nice. Uh, you're you're framing this like I'm a crazy person. <laughs> uh, I think it was a support group. So, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I just I thought I'd bring it up. Uh, more more seriously, uh, <laughs> just a handful of episodes ago, in season five, episode five, Michael, you predicted that Buffy will not tell Joyce that her memories of Dawn are false, um, and. Here we have, you know, (laughs) it literally happens. Yeah, Joyce Joyce, Joyce gets it and then uh, Buffy confirms it for her. So I think we can go ahead and deny that one.
2: I'm happy this was denied, by the way. I'm happy the show is moving past this concept,
1: but I didn't know how they were going to play it. To be fair, Joyce knew that Buffy, that Don wasn't real. She just asked for confirmation. So it's not really the same thing as the prediction.
3: True. What are the words of the prediction, John? Um, Buffy will not tell joyce that her memories of dawn are false tell uh, oh, uh, degree, i don't know if uh, if if i ask you if something is true and you confirm that it is true are you telling me it's true or you already know the answer i'm not telling you anything
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean i feel like uh, i made this bed i'm torn on this i'm torn on this one because uh, i mean i think like i felt this as a clear denial while watching the episode but in the letter of the law, there is a legal <laughs> loophole for tell versus confirm, so um I think I can actually get this confirmed, but I don't want to because I think that that's um it creates a bad precedent
3: all right i think I think this is a simple uh vote situation. I want to go last, Dennis, what's your vote <laughs>
0: uh I mean, I would call this a simple denial, but uh, okay i don't I also don't want to get in a fight with Travis this episode. I feel like <laughs> yeah. Travis, what's your vote? Uh, I'd confirm this.
3: Okay. You know what? I think I'm going to have to vote confirm on this only because I, I feel like I have it coming. <laughs> I feel like uh, I, 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 have, I have been difficult on language so many times that I really have no right to complain and talk about the spirit of the law <laughs> at this point. So uh, on those grounds...
2: Uh, but, but you realize by doing this, John, you're going for a full literal interpretation right that this is setting a precedent of literal interpretations. Uh we're actually
1: op- we're operating on that precedent that's been set for the previous four
2: we seasons. We are already
1: operating on a literal
3: interpretation. Yeah, exactly. It's based on precedent that uh I I I want to make this call. Wow,
2: listeners, this is unbelievable. I'm shocked.
3: <laughs> you know, fair play, right? So that bumped you up for this season, Michael. Uh Almost two percentage points uh, you're at uh, or more than two percentage points. You're at a 68.75 for season five. Your overall accuracy uh, is a 63%. So that bumped you up to the next percentage point in your overall accuracy as well. So well done.
2: Cool. So I've got some predictions here. Um, So first of all, now that I know Graham is back in the game and I have a name for him, uh, Graham (laughs) is going to die in season five. There's just no way. Graham you gotta go um second prediction there's i want no mercy for ben the intern he's gonna die in season five um (laughs) and i know who's gonna kill him too faith is going to kill ben he's she's the only person that can kill ben effectively faith or spike but i think faith is gonna do it because faith is like good at killing humans um spike could kill him because he's evil (laughs) but it might be more fun to have um you know have faith in the mix however i do think um well okay i think spike could kill glory but i don't know if i want to predict that but i think that would be a pretty rad moment for that to happen because like there hasn't been any interactions really with spike and this glory story um and like it actually, I think, could add some gravitas to the story. So I, I, I don't I don't want to make too many predictions, but I, I'm going to go for it. Spike's going to kill Glory. Faith's going to kill Ben. And then my super prediction, with all the meatballs, the exact cold drinks machine will return. <laughs> I think this is an easy prediction, and I just want to get these points. But this cold drinks machine, it, it's everybody's favorite prop. Okay, so we've seen it in the high school. We've seen it in the hospital. We're going to see it in another location same machine and this is purely to make this prediction is purely based on my need to make john insane and so (laughs) this prediction will keep his eyes buzzing in the background to this cold drinks machine you can't help it
0: all right i think that's the end then all right uh i've been dennis saint john uh you can find me At D-E-N-I-S-C-O-M-I-X on uh, Twitter. And that's my dot com. Um, I got books. uh, I make horror comics. um, And I'm working on some new stuff. You can follow my Patreon, D-E-N-I-S-S-T-J-O-H-N, to find out about that. Uh, Michael, what are you working on these days?
2: Man, I'm I'm moving slowly on these YouTube things because I uh, have just a bunch of stuff going on. No one tells you um, how hard it is to be a business owner. Um, you just lose time for these things but I'm still making an effort to do those
0: things um, yeah anyway YouTube every now and then alright then I want to thank you one and all for listening and talking to us at Buffy Virgin uh, you can visit our website BuffyVirgin.com for links to our blog YouTube Twitter and Instagram uh, reach out we love to hear from you and uh, don't forget to rate and review us on the podcast listener of your choice and we'll see you in hell